everybody. Uh, to all of you out there, welcome back to Driven by Cause. Uh, this is the show where we sit down with thought leaders in our nonprofit industry. And of course, we wouldn't be able to do it without the wonderful support of Ariva and Maestrosoft. And now they're the industry thought leaders that have created the only all-in-one digital fundraising, donor relationship management, healthcare, hospitality, and auction software platform dedicated to helping nonprofits achieve more. And I'm joined today by my wonderful co-host, Mr. David Blyer. How's it going today, David? Hey, it's a great day, Jay. You know how important I think marketing is for any company, but especially for the nonprofits. That's why we're so lucky to have a nonprofit marketing expert here with us today, Beth Brodowski. Welcome, Beth. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Beth, we're excited to have you on board for our podcast today. You know, for over 25 years, your company, Iris Creative, has been working with organizations as consultants and specialists in brand development. Uh, your award-winning firm continues to build a reputation for blending practical ideas, uh, creative solutions, and responsive service to nonprofits across the country. You work with organizations spanning the United, United Way, the Wharton School of Business, that's quite, that, that, that's quite a breadth of, uh, of clients there. Yeah. She's also uh, the creator and founder of the Nonprofit Toolkit, mm -hmm. which provides comprehensive courses for nonprofits to learn how to build their brands and inspire support and action. Uh, you're also the marketing guru who has been cultivating and advising nonprofits for, for decades. So we are pretty excited to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. This is great. It's thrilled to connect with you all. So Beth, just to kind of jump in and, and start off here, can you share with our listeners some information about yourself, a little background? Tell us who Beth Brodowski is and what led you to uh, create your company, Iris Creative. Sure. What I love about the work that we do is the opportunity to use visual tools to solve problems. And that's one of the key differences. So many times people think of art and design as decorating or as making things pretty, but it's really not about that. It's to help build recall and help people remember. And it's also to help facilitate communication. You have something you wanna say, you want other people to hear it. Design is a tool that can help help people access the information that's important to them. And by the time I was 30, I decided, you know what? I'm really tired of all of the really great projects going to the consultants that are on the outside. I wanna be the consultant that's on the outside. And so I decided to go out on my own and start my company. I knew nothing. I, you know, I had a bachelor's of fine arts and, and a dad who was an entrepreneur. And I, I thought I would figure it out. And you know what? All I can tell everybody, I did. You know, it's 25 years later. I often joke that when I started my company, I had um, a five-year-old son and a two-year-old that was not yet sleeping through the night. And now I have six-year-old and four-year-old granddaughters. So like an entire generation has happened since yeah. I started my company. And it's just, it's just been a pleasure. And one of the things that when people say, wow, you do marketing for nonprofits, why do nonprofits need to market? You know what? The NFL is a nonprofit. <laughs> the University yeah. of Pennsylvania is a nonprofit. Hospitals are nonprofits. There are so many different types of organizations and, and they all need to communicate what they do. I think, I think a lot of times people forget that nonprofits are also a business. And so, so, so often. And you guys probably feel the same thing that I do, this, this frustration about the overhead myth concept. You know, right. nobody says to a corporation, nobody says to Amazon, you know what, 
you probably spent too much money on that website, right. you know, because in the corporate world, people understand that marketing drives sales. And we don't like to use that word sales in, in nonprofits. Yeah. But my favorite definition of what marketing is, is that marketing creates the environment so that a sale can happen. So it's not necessarily the fundraising, the conversion, the getting people to do take the action. It's all the things that you need to do to bring people to the table so that they are aware, so that they care, so that they're ready to take the action that you want. And everyone needs it, no matter what your business structure is. Love it. Yeah. Beth, Beth, this is really fantastic. And I love what Jay said. And I, I would actually take it a step further from a marketing perspective that I actually think marketing does drive revenue. And in, and in that note, in your opinion, why is cultivating a brand and marketing, why it is so important and specifically, why does it matter for the nonprofits? Mm -hmm. My favorite question. <laughs> I love talking about this. I love answering this question because most of the time, the question I have to answer is, was, well, what do you mean by branding? Because people say brand or branding and they mean everything from a logo design to their website to a, a newsletter. Somebody once told me they needed a new brand and they actually wanted a newsletter. And so, you know, making sure that we're clear that by branding, what it really is, is that everyone has a brand already. Like you don't actually 100% control your brand. Branding is not what you do. It's not what you show. It's not what you say. It's what people hear. It's what they feel and what they experience. And what branding does is it helps you guide that. It helps you understand who you are, what you're great at and what you value, what you want to create in the world. Why do you exist? And it seems like the craziest question to ask people that like, why do you even exist? Because at a nonprofit, they're like, what do you mean we're doing such good work in the world? Yes, but there's another breast cancer organization. There's another feeding the kids after school organization. Why do you exist? Why does your organization need to exist in the world? And it's amazing how many people either haven't thought about that or haven't thought about that in a succinct way. And so that's kind of half the equation is, who are you? Why do you exist? The other half the equation that's often forgot about is for whom do you exist? Who are the people out there that you exist to, to for or to serve? And sometimes it's the people you literally exist to serve. But ultimately, the question that we ask all organizations is upon whom does your future depend? Because if you're not clear on how you're going to support yourselves, how you're going to grow, how you're going to thrive, then it's really hard to sustain yourself so that you can do the work that you believe that you are meant to do. So your brand is about finding that sweet spot between the work that you are best at, better than anybody else, and the audience that deeply, deeply wants it and wants it from you. And then that place where those things intersect that's where you find the language, the explanation, the reason why. And that really explains to other people why your organization needs to exist. We, we often will talk to different organizations about this and about branding. And a word that's used oftentimes is, is unique. And I'm pretty much convinced that nobody knows what the word unique means because I'll have a school say to me, oh, we're so unique. We really care about the kids. And I always want to say, I hope that that's not what's unique about you, because if you're the only school that cares about the kids, then we have a problem. 
what you need to look for is why you're distinctive. What is that that place that you can claim? It's a hard, it's kind of a marketing language thing to say, where you can claim that number one position in somebody's hearts and their minds. Otherwise, it's marketing. Marketing is about executing a bunch of things. Branding is about finding that language, that positioning, that space that connects your mission to your marketing. So often what we see is strategic plans written over here and marketing happening over here. And there's no, there's no clear path between those two things. Well, yeah, that leads me, you know, th that was really great. And, and I think, you know, having a, a clear understanding of that is so important for the nonprofit industry as a whole. And, and you're right, they all have, you know, even in a local community, you know, you could have five different cancer types of organizations. Mm -hmm. You've worked with so many different organizations. Could you share with the audience, what are some of the successful marketing strategies and tactics that you have seen used successfully? What I would actually put back to your audience is the problem is that we start by talking about marketing tactics. And if we're talking about the thing that we do at the end of the process, it's very easy to pick what you're doing based on what everybody else is doing. It's very easy to look around, go to conferences, hear about this cool, amazing initiative that somebody else did, especially if, if it's a big organization. A lot of times the, the write-ups in magazines and the conference presentations are written and presented by the United Ways and the Red Crosses and the World Wildlife Foundations of the world. And it's very easy to look at that and think, gosh, gosh, if we only had that kind of money and to look at the tactics, the things that they're doing and not understand why was that tactic chosen? Because to be very honest, a lot of people don't know why the tactic was chosen. They do a bunch of things. Large organizations have the money to test and try a number of different things. So when people are looking at it and, and they're looking for advice on what they should be doing, make sure that like you think about, you're seeing what people do, but you're not necessarily seeing the results of it. Did it work? Maybe yes, maybe no. So just because a tactic exists out there in the world does not necessarily mean that it's best practices. You need to really find out, well, why was that tactic done? Who was that audience for it? And, and did they get the results that they want? And then after all of that, will that help your people, your community, your audiences? The number one thing that I really truly believe that everyone needs to do first is deeply, deeply, deeply understand your audience. We actually have a process, a communication strategy process that we use that is literally a one page spreadsheet that we take clients through and we start on the left and work our way across the spreadsheet. And on the left is what's your mission? Who's your audience? What are your strategic plan goals? You gotta start with those three things. Why do you exist? Who are you trying to reach? And then from there, you can develop marketing tactics that have a marketing goal, have an objective, have a strategy, have a tactic and a way that you're gonna measure it. Taking a little bit of time to really map this out and think about it. And one of the simplest things you can do even without a spreadsheet is go get your strategic plan and then go look at all of the tactical things that you're doing right now and see if you can look at all of your different goals that are on your strategic plan and look at every single thing that you're doing in marketing and say, we're doing this to serve that goal. We're doing this to serve that goal. And at the end of that process, if you have things that you cannot figure out what goal that they are there to serve 
And how you would measure whether you're making progress on that, maybe you're doing a thing because you're doing a thing. Nonprofits are often very lean. So a lot of times it's one person doing all the marketing or a quarter of a person doing a marketing when they really should be working on the fundraising. Most of you don't have a lot of capacity to do all the things. And so really getting clarity on which of the things that you're doing are serving your goals, moving the needle and helping you thrive is so critical to keep yourself from getting burned out and just bleeding out money doing marketing stuff that keeps you busy, but doesn't keep you funded. You've mentioned uh, uh, mission several times. And we, uh, as, as a company, are constantly reminding our clients that, you know, sell the mission, sell the mission, push the mission. It's a, you know, because if you don't have a good mission statement, if you aren't, <laughs> if people are not connected with, with your mission, it doesn't matter whatever else you do they either believe in what you're doing or they don't believe in what you're doing and if you can't tell them in a simple mission statement you know why you exist then you're, you're not going to get to them so there's a so lot true. of ways to there, there are a lot of different ways to to promote uh the the mission obviously social media email uh websites uh, just to name a few do you have any suggestions for the kinds of communications and how frequently nonprofits? Uh, should be reaching out to their audience and particularly to make sure their audience understands their mission. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I would say is about that mission. Many, many, many mission statements are not written for public consumption. They're written like you could tell that a committee was involved. So it's important from a marketing perspective, if your mission statement is not written that way, you need a version of how to talk about your mission that is accessible to your primary audience. That, that is understandable and attractive, you know, that's going to get those people excited. We would often call that a positioning statement. I'm not a huge big fan of using a lot of marketing jargon terms, but a positioning statement is this, this is why we exist and this is why we're number one at the thing that we do. So Simple. quick question, kind of a follow-up to that. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a different approach when you're marketing to an existing donor versus uh, a prospective one? We've basically simplified it down to there's really three things, three things only that you really need to do. You need what you need to think about what do you want people to know? What do you want people to feel? And what do you want people to do? So when you're thinking about an existing donor or an existing constituent, whether it's an existing student or an existing association member, whatever it is, an existing person versus a brand new person, imagine your existing person as a connoisseur of your services. There's somebody that is embedded. They know you, they know your language, they get your jargon. An insider wants to feel like an insider. Insiders know the secret handshake. So you need to be talking to insiders about the thing. First of all, you need to know who they are. You need to know what they care about, but you need to indoctrinate them into your world and then treat them like they're part of the community, part of the family. You have to recognize that a prospective person is not inside the bubble yet. They are new. So they're more like a consumer. So you've got your connoisseur that like really gets all of your stuff and your consumer. So you need to recognize where people are on the journey. So in, in marketing, we'll often call that journey mapping or developing your, your sort of communication journey. And when somebody is just coming in to your world, they don't know your weird jargon. They don't know your programs. So often we insiders, people that work inside an organization get so locked into 
the structures of the organization that they forget that somebody outside does not care what department something is in. You know, we're just in the process right now of restructuring an email newsletter for somebody. And, you know, it's all based on kind of their department head names. People don't care. People yeah. do not care. You need to put yourself into the mind and heart of the person that you're talking to. Pat, that leads me into the next question. And I love your journey because this is really a, a journey that we're walking through our audience today. Um, and, 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 and taking that to the next level where you were mentioning like a, a newsletter, can you identify some ways in which to market a successful fundraising campaign? So number one, know your audience, know your audience, know your audience. The next thing underneath of that is you need, but I say know your audience. Most people say, oh yeah, we totally know our audience. You need to know your audience deeper than a label. Your audience isn't millennials. It isn't lawyers. It isn't students. You need to understand who these people are and what they value. I believe it is impossible to inspire somebody to get somebody to care about something until you really understand what they care about. Imagine going back to middle school. In middle school, we had this, we always had this project called a persuasive argument. And you had to convince somebody to take some action. I went to a lecture one time on negotiation, and there was an exercise that they that they shared, the story that they shared about two sisters, and they were both baking a cake. And there was one orange. And so for the purpose of the story, there's only one orange in the world. So there's one orange, and both sisters wanted the orange. And the mother said, well, the only thing that's fair because you're two sisters and I love you both is I'm gonna cut the orange in half and you'll each get half equal. One of the things my, other, my mother always said to me was equal isn't always fair because it turned out that one sister wanted to grate the rind into her icing and the other sister wanted to squeeze the juice into her batter. So they each could have gotten 100% of what they wanted from one orange if the mother had understood what they needed and what they wanted. And so I believe that when it comes to, whether it's new or existing donors, when you're marketing anything, marketing a campaign, if you do not understand the values of the people that you're speaking to, what people care about, why they're giving to you, why they're participating with you, why they're signing up to be a student with you, if you don't understand their why, it's hard to get them to support your why. Yeah, I loved your orange analogy. That was fantastic. It's one of my favorite stories. I wish but, I knew who created it so I could attribute it correctly, but I don't know. Well, now that uh, Jay and I can both continue using it like it's ours, so I exactly. really appreciate that. Exactly, that's what you that. gotta do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it was wonderful. So which really, when an organization is developing a strategic plan for growth and development, mm -hmm. how should mark, the marketing team play a role in this growth? As a brand marketer, it's my job to understand what is the North Star that you want to point to, and then we will align that brand. We will use the, the mechanisms of branding to build that bridge that crosses you over from the strategic plan to your marketing. What I picked up out of that was you've really got to focus on the, you got to focus on the journey, not the destination. You do a lot of consulting as, as well. When an organization approaches you and they want to rebrand themselves, for good or for good or bad, they may not need to rebrand themselves. I'm probably, that's probably one of the first things you talk mm -hmm. to them about is why. Yep. But when, when they want to rebrand themselves, what are the first things you you do to uh, go about discovering what their new uh, what their new image is or what their new image should be, or even if they need a new image? First, we have to ask, well, what do you mean by rebranding? There's kind of three different things people mean when they say branding. They might mean brand awareness, which is actually more of a marketing project than a branding project. 
They might mean brand identity, which is more of a graphic design project. It's your logo, it's your website, it's your, your graphic design, your brochures, your materials, your style. But it actually might be brand strategy. So the first thing I have to find out is, do we have a visual problem, a graphic design problem, a datedness or a communicate, like a, like a, a problem with me just memorability and access to communication? Or do we have a misalignment between audience, message, image, and experience? So the brand, the, the, the branding is what you're, what I'm hearing is the branding is aimed at the, aimed at the target. It, it's, it, it's aimed at the target 100%. audience. So, yep. so how, how should a nonprofit go about determining who their target market actually is? For us, that's the very first phase of our branding project. However, I have some tips because not everybody has the capacity to do that kind of a thing. So we do what's called a stakeholder session. We bring together in a room one or two representatives of all the different audiences that you have. So a couple of board members, couple of staff, and then we take them through exercises. We ask them, what do we think the biggest challenges are at this organization? We ask them what we think are the biggest opportunities in the organization. And then we say, Get, let's make a list, make a list of every audience that we can possibly think of. Great. Put that list aside. Okay. Now let's focus on what are the desire, we call them desirable actions. What are the desirable actions? What are the things that you need people to be doing on a regular basis for your organization to thrive? And we make a whole list of those. And then we look at those two lists together and we say, okay, look at this list of desirable actions. If there was like in a miracle world, we could only pick one. That if you picked that one thing and you could 10 exit or a hundred exit, you'd be golden. And then we, after we pick that, that key number one desirable action, then we say, now let's look at all this list of audiences. Who are the people who are most likely taking this action now and likely to take it again out of all of these audiences now? All right, you guys are gonna love this. Go back to your database because this is why data is so important. And so what we do is we say, we wanna look for your lovers. And for us, once we know what that action is, go into your database and look for a list of people who have done that thing maybe six times, six or more times. Those are your lovers. and then go look for that same action, but among people that have maybe done it two or three times. Maybe they're your likers, or maybe say your lovers are people that have given you a gift of $10,000 six times. So another way we might look at it is, you've got your donors that have given you $10,000, what was their first gift? If you can now go look and see your best process, your $10,000, your people who love you, all started out by giving you a gift of $250, ah, Maybe they're your likers. And so that helps you narrow down from all of the people. Now we have a pool of people that we know who we're looking about and who care about us enough to show up, participate, and are most likely to be the people that are helping us thrive. Beth, I, I love your passion and your emotion. And I think that's um, uh, truly amazing and enthusiastic for, and very important for a marketing person. But I just want to reiterate the importance of what you said that to separate that, that data segmentation, the real knowledge is in the data. And when you really can clearly understand that, you can combine and go back to that passion, enthusiasm, and it's a mm -hmm. great combination. It's I great, think it's, exactly. But there's so many nonprofits out there that don't have, don't have that ability, don't have that time, mm -hmm. don't have that staff. 
what consulting can you provide for smaller nonprofits? And it doesn't have to be grassroots, but smaller nonprofits who may not have the resources for the entire marketing team, but have a strong passion for their cause, which I think most mm -hmm. of them do anyways. Can you identify some successful, quick marketing tips for someone who may be on a very tight and limited budget and a limited time? We actually created um, a, a, a masterclass series for that. And that's what our nonprofit toolkit work is all about, is helping people who may not be in a position to bring in an agency to get outside help, build that capacity. When you don't know how to do something, fear builds up, like this fear of making a mistake, fear of loss, fear of doing something wrong. And so I want everybody that's out there that's tasked with this, inherited this role of marketing to be in a position where they can feel confident, where they can feel confident that they can do the things or even confident that they can go and argue and advocate for what should be done to their boss. Um, but there's also great classes on LinkedIn learning. There's charity how to. So for people that truly don't have a lot of budget, investing the limited money you have in building your own education, incredibly helpful. One question I, I guess I want to ask is in, in your experience, there's got to be some common mistakes that you see nonprofits make on a fairly regular basis. Can you share with us some of those uh, mistakes that are fairly typical across the board? A lot of marketing decisions are based on assumptions. Oh, nobody reads emails on Sundays or every, you know, the best day to send, like, I, or they found a marketing statistic somewhere. The number one day to send a marketing email, to send our email newsletter is Tuesdays at 10 a.m. That's the like best day. Everybody sends their, so the reality is now you're going to send your email at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays along with everybody else's, everybody else's letters, <laughs> right? And so I feel like people, like those of us that weren't trained in marketing have a tendency to do a couple things. Trust, like we trust our guts way too much. Yeah. And marketing is a bit of an art and a bit of data. So it's a combination of like taking the time to like open up your email, look at your email statistics. What did you actually look at what people did open? Huge, big mistake that people make. They get so worried about unsubscribes, they stop sending emails. They, 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 they market from a fear of loss as opposed to playing to win. Right. And so instead of pushing and testing, how many emails can I send until people start screaming? They go, oh, you know, I really wouldn't want to get two emails in one week. So maybe we'll just send one a month. So I guess the best advice I would have is create, cultivate the environment for the willingness to experiment, but make sure your experiments produce actionable data. And then on the flip side, use that data to inform you about what works and what doesn't. Don't let somebody walk into your office and saying, I don't think, I don't want, I don't like, be the final arbiter of marketing decisions. Yeah, I echo, I echo, echo, echo that. Thank you. You know, um, yeah, data is, data is a lot. You know, the gut, the, the gut tells you a direction, but the data reinforces either you are right or, or change it. Um, and maybe it's just a little bit of pivoting. You know, that saying there's over 1.8 million nonprofits, uh, you know, give or take 100 million that are registered. There's probably 2.1 mm -hmm. million, you know, you know, total some that haven't registered. I mean, the, the point is, and this is just in the U.S. alone. So it really, 
is a very competitive landscape. You know, I, I know in Broward County alone, there's over 12,000 nonprofits and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, 2 million residents, right? So can you identify any ways in which nonprofits can truly market themselves and their mission to stand out? Absolutely. So the first thing that I will tell people is if you're starting your marketing journey by thinking about, oh my gosh, we have to do a thing to stand out. You're starting at the wrong place. So don't let fear and fear of missing out or fear of not being seen drive your decisions. You're not playing from a sense of abundance and from your core. That's filling all the buckets marketing and it will burn you out and bleed out your money because you're going to feel like you have to do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And trust me, you don't have enough money to try everything for long enough and deep enough to really truly be able to see if it works. You've just provided a tremendous amount of very good information. We sure appreciate that. What's something that our audience might find surprising to learn about you personally? Um, well, based on um, how hyper I am, they might be very surprised to know that I am actually also a yoga teacher. Um, and what's interesting is I started yoga myself in my early couple of years of running my business because it's so easy to get pulled off your center. It's so easy to listen to the voices in your head. And yoga for me has really, really helped that. Well, you know, we're, we always like to finish our show by asking one question. What is something Jay or I didn't ask you uh, that you wish we did? Making sure people are doing the right project for right now. Branding is an exciting project. People are super thrilled about the possibilities of, of branding. So the one thing I guess that you didn't ask me is, well, you know, how long does it take to go through this whole process? And so the thing is, I always say branding is a process, not a project. If you go down the journey of presenting yourself, of building a brand foundation, honestly, it really never ends. The thing that I hear all the time is, well, we really need that. Boy, what you're saying, I mean, people might be listening to this and saying, wow, this makes a lot of sense. We really don't know our audience. And if we really could get centered on who our perfect person is and what's the most important thing here, it would really change things at our organization. Beth, this was really fantastic. Um, thank you, you know, for sharing all of your advice to our audience. And we'll be right back. We are a team that has had an enduring influence on the nonprofit industry for more than three decades. We pride ourselves on developing and delivering technology with a purpose, software born of a genuine understanding and passion for cause. We are relentlessly dedicated to our client success. We are with our clients for good. We are Ariva, tech with purpose, driven by cause. Ariva is the trusted advisor and market leader of fundraising, donor relationship management, and auction software and services. Exceed further, our evolutionary all-in-one digital fundraising and donor relationship management software is helping nonprofits worldwide further their mission, transform fundraising, and cultivate relationships with donors and constituents. Our Maestro Auction virtual, live, and silent auction software, text-to-bid, virtual and mobile bidding software, and text-to-fund, text-based donation software are helping nonprofits raise billions of dollars through thousands of virtual fundraising events, charity auctions, and galas. Visit Ariva.com and reach out today and see how Ariva can help your nonprofit organization go further.
Well, welcome back, everybody. It's time for Ask the Maestro. This is the feature of our podcast we do each time where we get to let one of you lucky watchers slash listeners to ask us a, a question. And uh, we'll do our best to, uh, to give you an answer. And this question comes from Randy. And he says, hi, David and Jay. Our organization is having trouble hiring a development and marketing person. So most of our planning for fundraisers and our events is falling on the development committee, which consists of board members. Do you have any tips or advice for this type of situation? What should we be looking for when hiring someone for this position? And I got to tell you, uh, David, I, I, I would like I would like Beth to answer this on my behalf because I have a feeling she's going to have a better answer than I'm going to have. Oof. <laughs> I can say I feel your pain. You're not the only one that's struggling with this. And it's something that people have to struggle with frequently because development directors typically stay in their role about 18 months. And so it's one of the hardest positions to fill for. It's one of the hardest positions to maintain for. One of the reasons I think it's hard to maintain is that in the first year of a development director's job, they're starting with somebody else's numbers and then they're out there new and excited and, and going out there to try and beat those numbers. Year two, it's harder to beat your own numbers. And I think it gets less exciting for people because we have to remember, this is really hard, development is kind of like sales. And oh, we don't like to use that word around here, but it's a closing game. It's a game of people. It's for people who like to close. And so I think that's a key thing that because a lot of us in nonprofits are maybe from a, a, a softer side of the world, maybe we like the operations or the cause or the reasons we do the thing that we do, we forget that the motivation, the, the core skill set behind somebody that does development well is somebody that is motivated by closing those gifts. And so we have to look for the right skill set. So my two cents, my two cents worth on it is that sometimes when you hire a development director, you set the wrong expectation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something I call outdo-itis where you, uh, you have an event and an event is terrific. And then as you mentioned before, each year it has to outdo the prior year. Uh, auction committee chairs fall into this trap all the time. They always have to outdo the last chair. They have to out, you know, again, the outdo itis problem. And I, I try and when, in my consulting with auction committees, I say, don't try and outdo what last year's chair did. Try and outdo what your budget is. In other words, set, set your goal for this year based on what your budget is and outdo your budget needs. This is a really great question. And I think it's really important to always separate the two positions. Uh, you know, a, a development director is really out there fundraising. I mean, they're definitely participating in events. And I think a marketing person, Beth, very similar to what you said is, is equally important, but does different things. And I think where in this question of planning for fundraisers falling on the development committee, which consists of board members, really truly will help this new person better because they're living the experience of what actually needs to, to do. So I think that's a really important thing that you have to remind your board when you are looking for that type of development director and what they're doing for the fundraising and the events and write those things down. I think that's some of the things that you did in looking for someone in this position that isn't just passionate about it, but truly understands the metrics and the measurements behind what they're doing. So 
Um, I, I thank you, Jay, for 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 that input and and Beth. So this was a really great question and an important one. Make sure you keep submitting your questions to Ask the Maestro. I'm sad to say we're nearing the end of our episode today. Beth, what a pleasure it was really speaking with you today and really gave our listeners some great advice to take away from today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. To all you listening, Jane and I love getting to, love getting to be here with all of you. We wouldn't get the chance to do this without Ariva and Microsoft. I really just can't say enough good things about their software, software guys. It's completely integrated, a fully automated, and all the applications are mobile responsive. They're really a great company. You know, their retention rate is probably the highest in the industry. And, um, and, and they're always trying to do one thing is truly help the nonprofit be successful. Make sure you visit Ariva at Ariva.com to learn more or Meistersoft.com. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, make it a great day.